folks. Welcome to Redneck Gone Green. I'm your host, David Cobb, and I am the Redneck, and you bet I've gone green, and I'm trying to get you to do it, too. And as a reminder, when I say, and we here at this program say, go green, we mean that in a multiple uh, ways. First and foremost, we mean in the deep ecology way, not conservationism, right? We mean deep ecology, a genuine awareness, appreciation, and a heartfelt understanding that all life is interconnected. Not only are we connected to our sisters and brothers and non-gender conforming siblings all across the world, regardless of race or ethnicity, but we're equally connected to our cousins, the bear and the salmon, uh, and the bunny rabbit, and the redwood trees, and and the plankton, and all of it, right? We are all connected in this web of life. And whatever we do to, our, to that web, we ultimately do to ourselves anyway. Deeper still, it's not just about us, it's about being in proper balance. Because before settler colonialism, before capitalism, before the enclosure movement, all of us had ancestors that lived in right relationship in balance with those natural rhythms. So when we say redneck gone green, we're trying to get back to the old ways of doing things. This ain't new. It's actually how we all lived before the power over domination, extraction, societal pressures and structures were imposed on most of us. I also mean Green Party. I want to own that straight up, right? I have learned that we have to build from the bottom and the left a people's political party that takes no corporate money and that is going to build a mass movement of working class people who are advocating for ourselves and stop chasing after elected officials and begging them to do the right thing and instead build a movement that is actually engaging electoral politics uh, authentically as transformationalists and, dare I say, peaceful revolutionaries. So it is with that context that I am very excited that Redneck Gone Green comes to you every week uh, on Tuesday, 6 p.m. Eastern. We're normally live. This is a pre-record because we needed to be able to get Reverend Bill, Billy and Savitri uh, they are collaborators. They are work partners. Uh, Reverend Billy is the, let's say, uh, is the, the actor, right? Uh, but Billy Talon is the human being behind it who has been doing this work uh, for probably longer than he cares uh, to remember. And Savitri is the director of the Church of Stop Shopping. I want to be clear about something, y'all. These are people who are doing art who are doing culture work, who are doing policy work, and like me, have a pretty damn impressive arrest record. Uh, <laughs> and that tells me a lot. And I, I want to also say this, that uh, Reverend Billy and Savitri and the director of the Church of Stop Shopping, uh, they have been featured in the New Yorker, the Guardian, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, National Public Radio, Al Jazeera, MSNBC, Fox News, and now... The, they really made it. We're going to welcome them to Redneck Gone Green. Reverend Billy Savitri, welcome to the program. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having us, David. So I got to say, y'all, like I will confess, I remember really like y'all came onto my uh, social change radar back in the, the global justice movement of the 90s. Mm -hmm. uh, and I uh, uh, 
like it seemed like y'all were everywhere, right? There wasn't a convening against the World Bank or the International Monetary Fund or uh, the WTO that y'all did not seem to be engaged. And what I loved, it's not just that you were bringing art and like, you know, those were some dope ass puppets we did, right? Like there was, there was art happening in the 90s. But honestly, y'all, I don't mean to fanboy, but like y'all are funny. <laughs> Right. Y'all were bringing humor to something that was deadly serious. So I want to ask you each uh, to get out of character a little bit and set the stage for your own lives. Because one thing we try to do on Redneck Gone Green is to invite people to replicate of what we're doing, to think about seeing themselves as the social change agent. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'll, I'll leave it to either one of you to start. But I'd like to know about the person behind the performer a little bit. Savitri, you got some background uh, on your bio here. Well, you know, I grew up in the in the wilds of New Mexico and Appalachia, and I, um, you know, connected deeply with the earth every day. And um, I feel very privileged to have had that uh, childhood, and um, it it feeds me all the time, and is really at the source of everything I do. And um, so the work that we've done. To me, it's just the, the 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 best service I guess I can be in the world that I've found so far, um, which is using my various skills and and resources um, to make community, to make um, radical community, to make creative radical community, um, and to uh, try to communicate with people as much as possible um, about the. I don't want to call it a crisis about the sort of the catastrophic human problem, I guess. Um, and so I think if, if I really am honest, you know, um, the, the work that I do feels like service and, and I'm, and I'm proud to be in service to the earth. So I work for the earth and I've, and I've always worked for the earth. Um, when I was younger, I thought like that art making was kind of enough that it was like an antidote. It was like, if I, if I'm just creative enough, if I just make things that are beautiful, if I, that I, I can be an antidote, I can like sort of change the, um, landscape in front of me that looked more and more, um, monocultural, right? I was watching in my, in my life, I'm, I'm about 50 years old watching the monoculture sort of just take over everywhere I went and all these places just disappearing into sameness and, and, and monocrops and, um, and clear cuts. And it just it was so vivid and terrible. And I thought, Oh, as a being an artist, you know, I can, I can balance with that somehow. But then I realized ultimately that I, I had to be an activist that I art making wasn't enough on its own um, for me. And, and, and I was lucky enough to, to, meet Billy around that time. And we started working together and, and started this social project, really the, the church of stop shopping, which is a radical performance community based here in New York, roughly 50 people performing and working and doing actions together. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's, it feels really natural. It feels like something that happened very organically and naturally, but I do recognize that it's, it's been a lot of work and a lot of effort and a lot of strategy and a lot of planning and all of those things. Um, but I, I just want to say that, um, making community is very natural. Being in community is very natural. I think it's the most 
um, basic thing that humans want to do. We want to connect with each other and do things together. Um, and and when you do that right now in this moment, which is such a difficult moment, and I've been saying that for years because mm. the moment just keeps happening. Um, when you do that, when you work with people, when you align around your values, when you organize together and, and make something, anything together, um, it, it does alleviate, I'd say, a, quite a bit of the distress and pain that we feel right now. <laughs> um, and it's a start, right? And then there's all the work to do. So that was a lot, but... It was brilliant. And uh, as you were describing that story, Savitri, I am reminded of uh, Tony Kade uh, Bambara, who you, you probably know, famously said, the role of the artist is to make the revolution irresistible. Yeah. Right? And uh, that, as you were describing that, I was like, I feel like this is somebody uh, who uh, I want to get to know more on a personal level. And I want to uh, shift gears to you, Billy, and do the same thing, because I've seen you as Reverend Billy. And if you give us a taste through the before we're in, I'll, I'll feel uh, super Amen. Grateful. Praise be, David. Carr. Like that. But before we get there, uh, like I've had the chance to to get to know a little bit about the the creation of that person. And I want to ask you the same sort of thing about your background, because uh, it's it, it's an unusual background and how you got to that character. So I'm curious if you'd share with the viewers and listeners uh, about how you got called uh, into Reverend Billy. Well, I think it's 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 a psychodrama. It always is with artists. Um, when I was a kid, I, I had Calvinists for my parents and my relatives in the Midwest, in uh, principally in Minnesota and South Dakota. And it's a strict uh, form of Protestant worship. And uh, the singing, you know, we have a choir now, but we gyrate and jump around and get arrested together. The, the, the choirs that I grew up with were like statues, <laughs> just kind of frozen in place because that's what God wanted, according to the uh, preacher. <laughs> and um, I think that my, uh, I had a therapist some time ago who, who said, well, look, you're, you scream at Mickey Mouse and you, you shout at corporate headquarters until you get arrested. And what is that? What is that about? You're you're angry at your dad. <laughs> and, you know, the therapist wanted me to sort it out <laughs> to make sense of my psychosis. But I looked at that as my meal ticket. I was like, that's that's the one thing I can do decently. Scream at corporate logos and get people to sing with me and jump around. And eventually we started going into the lobbies at the Disney, Starbucks, The Gap, Walmart. We've been inside on the on the private corporate property of of most of the abusing sweatshop companies that you can name and and helped helped people get right up against the products go past the front of the corporation past the the advertising out of the parking lot past the security officials and and as a result I think that we helped we helped the activism we we started it in the late 90s in Times Square, which at that time was being taken over by uh, chain stores, what Savage calls the monoculture. 
And the characters in Times Square, the people that made original culture, that were telling stories and, you know, the kind of people that were perhaps not the ones that 11-year-olds from Iowa were, were allowed to get close to by their moms and dads who were, you know, wearing sunglasses and Bermuda shorts. But that's what they wanted to turn Times Square into, and they have done that. It's an outdoor mall. And to our chagrin, that's what's happened to a lot of the United States. Consumerism, it's why we named our outfit the Church of Stop Shopping. Consumerism is the fundamental fundamentalist religion that makes lots of folks depoliticized, that made it possible for the marketers around George Bush and Dick Cheney to sell the Iraq war as a product. There was, there was no weapons of mass destruction. And, the, and there was, there was, they had nothing to do with 9-11. It was, it was a war that they needed for the companies they worked for. They needed to, including Halliburton, of which Dick Cheney was a, probably still is a honcho. So that was a marketing. And, and, and now uh, a marketing pro, uh, process is going on from all fronts. We just feel that right now we feel the beginning of the Iraq war from all fronts. You know, it's the, the, the aggression fault lines around the world that are being set up right now by the Pentagon and, and the, and the various politicians. Um, we're back in the world of being expected to follow along because of, because of advertising. So Billy, I'm, I'm resisting that. Go ahead, David. Yeah, I, I want to jump in because I loved how uh, both you and Savitri uh, talked about this, the, the calling, right? And I also want to invite uh, uh, both of you uh, to, or whoever is the most appropriate person to tell us a little bit about Reverend Sidney Lanier, because there was like, this is not just shtick, right? Like this is an incredibly thoughtful, uh, grounded in a level of, frankly, morality and ethics uh, that the grandson of a Baptist preacher that I am, like I recognize like y'all are not just sort of playfully like it's playful to be sure, but it goes way beyond just shtick. So I I'd love to get y'all to talk about that a little bit. Well, earth alleluia, David. <laughs> I thought you had the mark of the Baptist on you, upon your, on your, upon your brow, and the the flame of the fire on the top of your head. Well, let's see. Uh, do you, shall I talk about Sydney? Sure. Okay. Uh well, he started coming to, um, you know, Salvatore talked about coming from the arts. I was a playwright and, and uh, I would cast myself in my own plays. <laughs> 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 and uh, uh, this Natalie dressed kind of, he was kind of like from the American South, but there was a, a, like a touch of the British in him. And he was, uh, it turned out a, a uh, elapsed Episcopal priest. <laughs> so he did have some Brit in him. Um, his name is Sidney Lanier. And um, he said, well, your playwriting and acting is, is interesting. You might make a living at it, might not. But he said, there's, there's a note of the pr prophetic in your voice. He, he saw something in my voice. And I'd never heard anybody talk to me that way before. And so we, we took some long walks together and he he caught on to how traumatized i was by christian religions and my own background you know in calvinism 
And he said, um, well, don't be afraid of all that. Um, just look at the artists who use it. And I said, who's that? Well, he said, my cousin, Tennessee Williams. <laughs> and then he said, uh, um, and then he said, but what about Clint Eastwood? The fugitive kind is, it's just Jesus. So he started taking me to Westerns. He started taking me to, and then eventually I met through Sydney, um, a lot of these historic Jesus people uh, who um, think of Jesus as, a, as, a, as a, a real person. And they identify about 80 quotes as actually being his. He had a particular way of, you know, like Jimi Hendrix's guitar licks that were like identifiable things that he said. Mm -hmm. And he explained that Mary of Magdala was probably, you know, uh, they probably had a, a, a couple. They were they were worked together like the two of us. Uh, Mary of Magdala was an aristocrat, probably the producer. And I wish you would put more money into it, Savitri. I mean, <laughs> so, uh, um, he explained that there was a whole bunch of secular artists, popular artists even, in rock and roll, in the movies, in designing clothing, in you know, all, all across American culture. There were these people who understood that Americans make their meaning through Bible stories, simple morality tales. We're not French philosophers. Amen. <laughs> and that, and that, and the stories, um, one, one script writer told me that more than 50% of Hollywood's film scripts are basically the prodigal son. So I learned so a lot from Sydney and he like took me to New York and, and told me to start preaching in front of the Disney store. He said, Mickey Mouse is your double. And um, this is the den of iniquity. It's all sweatshop goods. It's a union busting company. The, the guy that runs the company makes a billion dollars a year. Keep the tourists out of this place. And then he retired to like about a block away where he sat with some, some, uh, some coffee and took notes. Mm. And he did that for a year. He lived in New York for a year's time, uh, teaching me how to preach on the sidewalk. There you go. Well, it didn't stay on the sidewalk, did it, right? Uh, because, Savitri, I'm going to ask you to set up a clip that I just saw. Because, like I said, I, I know y'all's work, and I've been inspired by it in a lot of ways. Uh, but uh, I, I'm going to ask you to set up a, uh, the clip uh, about climate change. Because I think that the, the use of both digital storytelling, uh, but also the uh, what Billy and you have been talking about is really beautifully uh, and hilariously, but also poignantly and heartbreakingly uh, reflected. So I'm going to I'm going to ask you to set this up and whatever it takes to set up what our viewers are about to see. Sure. So uh, this is a video uh, that Billy made with a longtime collaborator of ours, Laura Newman, and they had made a lot of uh, short films together. Um, and this was shot out at Coney Island. Um, it was very cold. Um, it wasn't winter, but it wasn't uh, summer. <laughs> um, and I think... Uh, you were the mermaid queen that year, as I recall. Yeah, well, we've done a lot of work out at Coney Island. Coney but, Island. But I think um, this video kind of marked a, a moment for us when we really um, turned ourselves 100% towards uh, 
what you could broadly call earth justice, which includes all the all the justice, right? You know that you set that up so beautifully at the beginning of the show. Um, and when it seemed clear that like for us, it's the only issue, you know, and, and all the other issues come inside of it. Um, and you'll see Billy gradually being submerged in the water, but, um, you know, we knew even at that time, and this was a few years ago, um, how threatened people are in these coastal areas. And we're seeing it, of course, more and more now. We see, you know, there's 70 million people on the move, largely from climate um, danger, reality, you know, whether it, whether it's their inability to grow food anymore because the seasons are wacky or because of a lack of water or because of too much water because of fires, um, we know that people are on the move. And 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 for me, looking back at this video, um, I really, I, I see it as this uh, inflection point in our work, but also in in the in the in the acceleration of of climate change. And and um, it's just a, a call to respond, really. So with that, folks, uh, strap yourself in. For those of you who are watching, you're in for a hell of a visual. Uh, but those of you who are listening on the podcast, I think you'll get a, a, a taste of it uh, as well. Jack Rabbit, hit it. We should know about this. We've had the very best preachers telling us about it. Thousands upon thousands of natural scientists from around the world have been speaking as one singing in unison it came out a couple weekends ago in the intergovernmental panel on climate change the ipcc report it's a great video from the united nations they tell us the globe is warming and it is human cause why can't we hear see touch feel the earth is not coming into our senses. Our heads are wrapped in some kind of consumer bubble wrap or something. We, we're not getting it. We're not hearing it. This wet, white and blue spinning rock in space that is our home is in grave danger. It's warming up. And if there's any change that's going to take place, it's a change that we bring about together. We must radically change our lives. Stop consuming the planet. Yes, stop shopping. What can we do? This fall, if you have a green dollar to give, do not give it to the big NGOs. There are good people in all sorts of institutions, but this year I ask you, give to the volunteers on the ground who are risking arrest, putting their bodies in front of the bulldozers, the front gates of the coal-fired power plants, and going into the lobbies of the big banks, as we have done. It's for life. How do we say that to each other? Life, hallelujah. How do we get that basic? And remember that we're trying to save life. Life, hallelujah. We don't have much time. It might be too late.
folks. That's Reverend Billy and the Church of Stop Shopping. For those of you who were listening on the podcast, I'll let you know that that incredible uh, sermon that you were hearing was delivered as Reverend Billy starts off about ankle deep uh, in water, and then we see it up to his knees and then his waist and his chest. And at the very end, he's literally, literally, the waves are crashing over his mouth and we're not able to see him. So I got to tell you, please go uh, to their website, check it out. I'm also going to take this moment to remind you that you're watching and or listening to Redneck Gone Green. I'm your host, David Cobb. The whole point of this program, y'all, like I'm very transparent about it. What do I want you to know? What do I want you to feel? And what do I want you to do? What I want you to know is that we are past too many tipping points, that we are going to have to, this society is going to be restructured and reorganized. Uh, People are not going to live in the world that I grew up in as a little boy. That is fucking over. There is going to be a change. So I want you to know that, but I also want you to know this that there are still things that you can do, that there are actions that you can take, that that's the antidote to despair. Action is the antidote because in the other direction is uh, apathy. Uh, The other direction is nihilism. Mm. There be dragons. Stay away from that. We have to actually turn to each other and act together. Mm. And that's what I want you Mm. to feel, both the sense of urgency and hope a sense of optimism, a sense that we can actually live in the world Mm. that we know is in our heads, that we're holding in our hearts, we can feel it in our guts. And what I want you to do is whatever you are inspired to do. I I can't tell you what your task is, only you can do that, Mm. but you've got to get involved. No feel do, so hit the like button, hit the comment button, continue, we're building this audience. I know everybody says that, We say it because it matters, right? Mm -hmm. The corporate algorithms are trying to suppress conversations like Mm -hmm. this. And we are getting larger, stronger, and better organized thanks to you. Uh, Billy and Savitri, I want to give you a chance because as as the more I talk to y'all, like I said, I I knew about you, right? And Billy, you'll probably remember you and I have had a couple of uh, uh, exchanges on email. When, when, When I heard that you were running for mayor on the Green Party ticket, I was excited. I was like, that's exactly what we need. We need that level of energy uh, and that level of, 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 again, playful seriousness, right? Mm. Uh, And so I'm going to leave it to y'all to say, all right, what is it that you're doing now? And what is it that our viewers and our listeners of Redneck Gone Green, what would, what, what, what would you like to tell them? Well, for the first time in our history, we have a space. So we, um, you know, we've always been out in public space and, you know, borrowing rehearsal rooms. And um, for the last 14 months, we've had a space in the Lower East Side here in New York City. And uh, so we're continuing to to build something there. I, I kind of think of it as building a fire, you know, or 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 gathering around a fountain. You know, we're really trying to bring people together in real life um, and and spend time together. Um, So we're doing that. um, And we continue our work as ever, like intervening on corporate uh, reality in as many ways as we can, you know, finding that charged space in a retail environment, going in there, um, disrupting it. Um, You know, usually we're in and out. It's not like we, I, I, I think at this point with, with, with our histories, it's, 
um, we, we, we risk arrest when, when we, isn't that what Abby Hoffman said? Oh, don't get arrested unless you have to, you know, <laughs> right. unless you absolutely kinda, have to, that's kind of where we are now. Like there's certain times when we do that, but a lot of times we, we have this thing called radical lunch. Where we're really trying to show people like, look, you can do this on your lunch hour. You can go into Chase Bank and you can say what you mean and you can say it right to them. And it matters. It matters right now. Um, and, and it's like, you just said, do something, do anything. You know, I, I really beating that drum, like just do something. Um, so we have radical lunch. Uh, we have our regular earth church services. We're, we're always making a lot of music. I, I'd love for people to go and listen to it at revbilly.com. You know, we spend a lot of time on our music and, um, it's hard to get music out there these days unless you have a record label. So, um, check out that music. Um, and, and I really agree with you when you say like, I can't tell you what to do. Like, like you have to decide on your own task, like what you can do, what you know how to do. Um, I encourage people to take, to push themselves a little further than their comfort, comfort zone, like go a little bit past there. And above all, I say to people like, don't do it alone, you know, find someone to do it with even just one person. You know, it really helps with the bravery and the courage. It really helps with the, the, uh, the, the processing and the feedback where you really get, like develop thoughts and ideas. And, and if you can, like do your political work with people who aren't exactly like you. You know, if you can find some kind of diversity. And, you know, sometimes we think of that as just racial or, or ethnic, but there's all kinds of diversity. You know, there's like there's there's mm-hmm. age diversity. There's education diversity. I mean, there's all these ways we're different from each other, but I think it really helps in confronting these gigantic problems to look at it with people who have a different perspective. And mm. I know that seems really obvious, but today it's it's actually hard to do that. We're very segregated into, into like-mindedness and, and likeness. And that's not just social media. It's also social pressures and just bad habits, to be honest, and like not having a lot of places to meet new people and talk about your values together. So, I mean, those are my, in, my first recommendations, you know, food is good or organizing around food is really good, you know, because we have to eat anyway. So like have a meal together and then go do something. <laughs> Pete, uh, Pete Seeger famously said, you know, when we were trying to have meetings, we would have, you know, uh, five or six folks, but as soon as we called them potlucks, uh, we'd have uh, two dozen people, and we've been having those uh, potlucks where we talk about peace and social justice uh, ever since. Uh, I'm also really inspired. I don't know which way to go. Is it Edward Bernays and the Century of the Self? Right, that level of conversation, or do we go into the uh, no one can do everything, but everybody can do something, right? One of the let's go into the I latter mean, direction. Let's go in the latter direction, Billy. So g- take it away. I, th- I think m- most of us are convinced that we are immersed in saturation advertising and, it, and it's having a huge impact. Yeah. Most of us n- know what the screen is doing, what the ads are doing. Uh, the, uh, the, the taking in a practical, subversive way of our personal dreams going out into the monoculture, you know, like Sabji says, don't do it alone. Some people do it alone, but, but feel free to like go with five or 10 people uh, and do something that, 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 that came to you as a result of your personal creativity. And it, it, if it's really creative, it's not something that the, um, oppressive laws have caught up to yet. 
you know, you, you might have, you might redefine uh, private property in such a way that they're not sure. We went to ground zero one time with our lawyer uh, and he got out his little book when they were trying to push us away and he had the the rules right there and he gave this the it was amazing wasn't it mm -hmm. he gave these police a kind of class and they were actually interested he was reading to them the laws under which they were supposed to be operating they didn't know it they were just embarrassed that there were people singing songs our choir was there singing songs uh, uh, about about uh, liberating ourselves from from the monoculture and um, doing it there didn't strike those police people as as appropriate and they just had a kind of cultural response but but this kind of funny um forceful lawyer guy he he kind of dresses like edgar Allan poe he dresses from another century he's our friend wiley he he started saying well that's not the law and that's not what you're asking us to do according to your book and he, and and he started entertaining them with a kind of monologue. And we got in under his wave there and rode his wave and sang another song. We stayed there at least another half hour before mm -hmm. before uh, we we finally ran out of lunch hour time. But but there's there's the the city or the town or even the rural community that you live in has a way for people to make original statements by dancing, by singing, uh, by costuming, by, by signing, you know, outside of, I remember one time in um, Arcata, California, uh, we were invited there by a woman named Anna Perna, and uh, they put us, the, the radicals in town put us up, and there was about 30 of us, it was a big, a big bus of, of, you know, people, radical singers from New York, and um, the local radicals arranged for us to go up to a this is back in the early uh, two th 2003, 2004. Yeah, long time ago. Maybe there was a uh, a clear cutting going on involving the oldest living beings in the in 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 the world, and the redwood trees. He means. And we were uh, we went up there, and um, we looked up, and there were these heads popping out from inside these tree houses. <laughs> and uh, uh, we realized, oh, we've we've had audiences smaller than this. <laughs> and we started singing songs, and we were in our green robes. And we don't wear gr uh, green robes anymore. I wear my stuff, but most of us don't uh, anymore. We we felt it was too Christian somehow. But it, it it must have looked to them like a sea of green with these heads popping up. We were we were like heads to them too. Mm. We were <laughs> we were up in a tree in in reverse, and um, we sang our songs. And I I tried to preach straight in the air, <laughs> and it was very moving. And then um, somebody came up and pulled on our elbows, and and there was a, a police car coming from the yeah. valley More from the valley. One. But <laughs> <More than one. laughs> it was going to cut. The, the police cars were coming from uh, a half hour away, at least. That's what they said. You you have another half hour to. So we we uh, we we had a big prayer around. Uh, you don't want to call it a stump. They they named the tree Robin. They had names for all the trees, and we said goodbye to Robin, 
or we we weren't really saying goodbye. We were saying hello. Well, no, because of course you you know I'm sure you know because of where you live. When the redwood stump, you know, you see the shoots of the new of the new oh, growth yeah. coming up the edges. So we, it was already happening. You know, this sort of incredible baby redwoods. There they were. But that was another turning point, like like the Coney Island piece of yeah. music, uh, because uh, having our hands on the rings, having that. Hand, our fingers on living history, yes, and going around the circle, it was the the stump field was, you know, I don't know, twenty or thirty feet diameter. It was just really big, and the choir was around the edges with the local radicals, the earth lovers, who were our hosts, and um, we each had a prayer, right, and we. And we were just crying and just yeah, it was very moving. It was and uh, then it was also moving to have that tremendous police escort to the county line. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, y'all. Uh, uh, I currently live uh, in Eureka, California, oh, literally six so. miles away from Arcata. <laughs> I I can tell y'all. I know when y'all were there. It was the summer of two thousand and four. I know okay. because unfortunately, I I would have normally been there, but I was gallivanting across the country. Uh, seeking the Green Party nomination for president that year. Right. Uh, doing my own bit uh, of cultural organizing uh, and preaching. But I can tell you, people still talk about uh, y'all. Uh, and if and when y'all get back on, out on the road, I'd love to have you back out. I feel like the West Coast could uh, could use a dose of the Church of Stop Shopping. Yeah. You know what's uh, so amazing? Y'all decide, I promise you, I'll, I'll like put to. that together. We have met. I, at various times over the last 20 years, I mean, in the strangest places, someone will come over and say, you know, you remember that time you were singing up at the trees? I was in that tree. <laughs> and I think we've met every single one of them. You know, it's so beautiful. They just come out of the woodwork. Sometimes they'll come out of the audience and they'll just hug us and won't tell us why. And, then, <laughs> so and they'll just start crying and we'll start crying with them. You yeah, know, it's, it's really beautiful. And then they'll explain one of those heads popping out of the treehouse. That was me. You know, one of the things that uh, uh, talking to y'all reminds me and, and listening to your music and remember folks, it's revbilly.com uh, uh, to go to that website, uh, join their Patreon account, support these artists, culture workers and peaceful revolutionaries. Uh, Thank and, you, David. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, like, uh, I am a I, look. I'm a really big believer that says that that we should not be thinking about like yes, I, I'd like you to uh, to join my Patreon as well. But whatever it is that's inspiring you the most, act accordingly, right? Like I don't believe in the the scarcity myth. I think that there's actually yeah. abundance, and yes. we have to lean into and live in that abundance. The other thing that I love about the way y'all are are talking is it is again it is a deadly serious topic. Uh, ecological collapse and the consumerism and the horrific, um, it, it's like a crack cocaine addiction, right? Yeah. Because it is, it is, it is the moment of the acquisition uh, that, and it's so very brief that you get anything out of it. It's, but once you have it, it's like you've just got one more bit of crap that you got to shove somewhere, yeah. right? It, like, it's not the inherent quality of having or using uh, the thing. It is acquiring the thing. And that really is like crack uh, cocaine, right? You get mm -hmm. an intense rush in a very moment and then it's gone and you're chasing the, you're constantly chasing that dragon, right? Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. So here's the thing. Y'all talk about incredibly serious things, but you have a strategy associated with it and you do it in a genuinely fun and playful uh, and amusing way. I mean, it's, it really is kind of irresistible. Like how can you not have a good time uh, <laughs> even as you're getting educated? I think we do have a good time. Don't we stop drinking? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting being here in New York city with the community that we have, because I mean, it's another reason to be in, in a kind of pluralistic community because you know, I can be having a good time. And then I look over and I see someone else is not, you know, and I think, oh, interesting. Why aren't you having a good time? And then, you know, the story that comes back to me changes me. Right. And, and I have to figure out, oh, I have to expand this to include that person so they can have a good time too. Or, I mean, that's a very broad way of describing what I'm trying to say, which is that, um, you know, people go through pain differently, right? And they experience the pain and problem of the world differently. And, you know, there's some very um, clear markers of that. We know that our our brown and black friends have a much harder time. Like that a lot of things are just, they're just harder. You know, being a black man in America, that's hard. Being a black woman in America, that's hard. You know, and I don't have, that's not hard for me, right? It's hard for me because I... And with them, and I'm working with them. I'm trying to help them. I'm we trying to support together. them. I'm trying to change the yeah. system that makes it hard for them. You know, when the 2008 recession hit here in New York City, who lost their jobs first? The black women across the board at every at every economic level, right? Like the woman who worked in HR at a big bank, and also the woman who was doing, you know, a, a, a totally sort of like menial labor you know what i mean uh, so it, it was just it, it's it's very um the good time i think is it's not the goal right like and that's i think also what we get confused about it's like it's something that comes from the work and and the, and the good time is, is it is contagious but um it's also easy in this country to like sort of chase the pleasure you know and that's not if you if you if you chase the pleasure it runs away you know, and and um, so I, I think the good time really comes again from 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 being with each other. And well, then, once you know that the earth is alive, you know. Oh, once, that's the best time. Once, once you you move you move beyond the pleasure principle. Once once you're in a woods and then the trees oh, talking yeah. to you. Well, then you're just it, held up. It, it, you're just in something and it's thick. And then you're in service to life yeah, itself. That's great. That's deep ecology. Yeah, it is you know? deep ecology. And I, I remember I still remember uh, <clears throat> it was two decades ago, I guess, a uh, a, a mentor and a friend who's uh, indigenous uh, once said, you know, David, I, I want you to understand when we say that the trees are talking to us. It's not a metaphor, <laughs> right? And uh, what he said was, and he looked at me, he said, you know, like, I know you, I know you are a good human and it mm -hmm. makes me sad for you that you have been reared in such a way that you can't hear it anymore, but mm -hmm. you're supposed to, it's your birthright. Yeah. It just means you have to work a little harder. Your ancestors could hear it. Yeah. And I, I'm choking up. He said, yeah. you can too. You're going to have to work at it. And yes. I'll tell you, yes. that work is labor. It's mm -hmm. meaningful, productive effort. 
Yeah. It's joyful. I love doing that work, right? And that's the thing. These right-wing bastards have lied to us. They, they said, oh, people are lazy. They don't want to work. That's not true. People want to work if by work you mean meaningful, productive labor yeah. that you will offer to the community and be appreciated for it and yeah. you can feel good about it. What we don't want is a job where we're pushed <laughs> around, bossed about, and having the, the, the value of our labor extracted from us mm -hmm. for capitalism. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, is to get back to what our ancestors knew about that interconnected balance and that work is noble and good and the work of doing our proper role to keep things in balance and that we're actually supposed to be doing that. That's yeah. it's not just our birthright. It's our responsibility. Yeah. Mm. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Yes. Amen. Yes. And <laughs> I guess I got well, David. I, I'll tell you the truth, y'all. My mama one time, because my grandfather is a Baptist preacher, and sometimes, I, like I, uh, you know, I, I you I'll channel him. <laughs> yeah, well, I do. But here's the thing: I'm, a, I'm gonna be honest. I still remember. Y'all remember the uh, the little felt uh, uh, cutouts telling the parables on the on the on the felt board at absolutely DF, vacation absolutely. Bible school, <laughs> Billy. Savitri, I was a soldier for Christ as a six or seven year old boy. I was, I, I really did. So much so that my mama, who had given up on it, allowed me to walk across the street to the church. And of course, I was like a special, oh my God, they just loved that, you know, this little boy would, would on his own come to, to, to the uh, place where his grandfather uh, had come out of and so <laughs> forth until, and I still remember for real, it was the Good Samaritan. That's what we had learned in vacation Bible school. And mm -hmm. then after we went to, it was just a, a, a potluck uh, dinner, right? I have those a lot at revivals uh, in the tradition I came out of. I'm about seven years old. And I remember, and now I recognize it was a black fellow, probably homeless. He came up, y'all, and they didn't throw rocks at him. But here's what I saw happen. I saw the deacons all kind of come and surround him. And they walked him through the line and they gave him a plate of food and they shooed him away. And I remember at seven years old, mm. I, I didn't have the language for it, but I said, yeah. well, we're just a bunch of fucking hypocrites. Yeah. We don't actually mean what we say. <laughs> and it was a it was a crisis uh, for me at that time. And as an adult, I was I was I was fussing to my mama about like, you know, uh, uh, Christianity and uh, like, et cetera, et cetera. And and. Uh, my grandfather. And she said, you know, Keith, well, I'm David Keith Cobb. I grew up as a Keith. But she said, you know, Keith, you got more of your grandfather in you than you care to admit. Uh, you are just as evangelical as he is. Mm -hmm. You've just got a, a, a different church. So, to yeah. speak. so I feel a kindred spirit to the church of Stop Shop. Yeah. We feel like that too, David. This congregation. We feel that too, Keith. We got a lot of PKs in our church. <laughs> Yeah, we have a lot of lapsed, yeah. lapsed Christians, lapsed Jews. A lot of children of preachers uh, and, you know. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're looking for a, a community a system and the earth, the earth yeah. is the answer. It is. And listen, y'all, the, the time has just flown by. I want to give each of you, though, uh, uh, an opportunity for uh, final thoughts, including uh, please let us know where we can go to learn more about uh, you and your work. So I'll leave it to either one of you to start, but I want to give both of you an opportunity for some final thoughts. Sorry. I just say, go outside, people. Go outside. Don't forget to look up. Listen to those trees. 
spend time out there. Amen. Get your senses involved. And, uh, you know, take care of yourself, take care of others. And if you can help people, help. The, uh, the earth is, is a, a, a partner to our, our lives. The earth right now is, is partnering in a special way. The, the earth's job is to keep life alive and we're in the midst of the sixth extinction and the the earth's a living being and caretaking all of us all the way down to the critters that are in our bodies that we don't even have the names for we're walking ecosystems amen the the earth is making that life go forward figuring out a way to do it and these monster storms and droughts and and wildfires are are steps forward experiments and they're tragic, um, but they are investigations, finding a path. So right now, uh, you know, Deborah Whiteplume from the Lakota people, um, uh, and, and the, Hopi, the Hopi prophecy is identical to this. And some people say all earth cultures have a version of this idea that, that the earth comes to a place where um, uh, balance and and growth and finding a way through to the next stage of life um, is something we all do together. And humans this time caused a lot of the problem. Uh, but uh, Deborah Whiteplume said, we've been invited to join the earth in this effort. And um, that invitation will be open for a while. And then the door will close when that investigation towards life, that journey towards next life uh, makes the whole life change enough for us not to know what what the hell to do we may still have that that invitation and and we believe we do we're just gonna keep singing and trespassing in the lobbies of the poisoners uh in the belief that we're working with and for the earth and i invite you to find your way too Earthaluya. Earthaluya, indeed. Folks, you've been listening and or watching Redneck Gone Green. I'm your host, David Cobb. Uh, we were talking to Reverend Billy and Savitri, who is the director of the Church of Stop Shopping. I want to remind you that not no one can do everything, but everyone can do something. So figure out what your something is and do it and do it together. As Head Rock, the mayor of DC Hip Hop, says, if you want to change this situation, you better join an organization. I'm not telling you which one you got to join, but you got to collectivize and act together. Peace.